0: to the Free To Be More podcast by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. I'm your host, Megan McCorkle. This podcast series features conversations with leaders and innovators having a positive impact in our city. Let's get started. Your journey starts here. It's a house built upon the principle, I care for you, you care for me, we care for each other. For 14 years, Roberta's House has provided a safe space for Baltimore families to come together to deal with the loss of a loved one. This episode of the Free To Be More podcast, we take a look at the impact the Grief Support Center is having on our city. Annette March Grayer is the president and co-founder of Roberta's House. Annette, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for inviting me. So tell me a little bit about what is Roberta's House for someone who hasn't heard of your organization.
1: Sure. Roberta's House is a family grief support center located in Baltimore City and Prince George's County, and we provide grief education and support programs to children and adults and families, so children as young as two years of age through 18, and adults, of course, you know, up until the age of 99 or older, if they're able to... uh, you know, come out and be a part of our group support programs. Mm-hmm.
0: Tell me a little bit about the history of Roberta's House. How did you and your family found it? Why did you find it? And how have you seen an impact in your community in the years that you guys have been open?
1: Well, Roberta's House was created out of a community outreach that the March Funeral Home family started back in 1985. Mm-hmm. Um, we happen to have been one of the largest funeral service providers to the African American community, serving probably about two thousand families a year. And the impact of grief and loss we saw every day on the front lines. Myself, um I'm a registered nurse, mm-hmm. and I worked for Hopkins for several years in the visiting nurse Association. But I eventually came to work with my family back into the business, although you know I was raised in this business for all of my life and so was very familiar with it. But as a nurse, I really saw the impact of grief and trauma and how there were no resources available to support children or adults. And so this began an outreach, a community outreach to provide grief support to adults initially. And we provided these grief support programs around in the community. We were in, I can recall, you know, traveling from various locations, churches, organizations, um, hospitals, whoever would give me free space to hold a support group. That began a program called A Time of Sharing, where it was an eight-week-long program, and it was a free program where we invited adults who had experienced the death of someone close. And it just wasn't the March Funeral Homes clients, but it was anyone who needed grief support. And this really grew over time. So much so that the demand became greater for me to do a lot of educational workshops and trainings for churches, for social service agencies, mental health providers. And there even became a greater need for children's grief support. And there was no place I could refer families to get help for their children. Mm -hmm. So this is where the vision really began. And I had also become uh, members of professional associations that, like ADEC, Association of Death Educators and Counselors, and the NAGC, which is the National Alliance for Grieving Children, and recognized or learned that there were grieving or bereavement centers in other states. Mm-hmm. However, these bereavement centers served more fluent people, and they were associated with hospitals and children's hospitals and hospices. Mm -hmm. But none were located in urban communities serving at-risk populations. And so I really saw how unique we were and how much needed we were, our services. Now coming up to 2007, when Roberta's house was established, Roberta is my mother, the matriarch of the March Funeral Home family, who was really the... um, I would say the symbol of compassion and the heart of the business. Mm -hmm. And she really modeled in so many ways how she cared so professionally and loving to so many families. Um, The funeral home was a three-story row house initially back when we first lived there. And it was amazing. People would come and sit in the parlor and talk for hours to my mother. So when she passed away in 2006, it was just fitting that we would name this bereavement center after her. Mm -hmm. And my vision for this was to be able to serve children and adults and families of all ages. And we started a capital campaign in um, actually 2007. We started this, but I really and, and we established a nonprofit, Roberta's House. And we began building upon the programs, training volunteers who were able to facilitate programs. And it has just become an amazing service and it's fulfilling a great need in our community. We have over 15 different programs right now. We have a staff of over 20 individuals. We are also now located in Prince George's County. It is just, we have a large group of partners and individuals who support the work that we're doing
0: you mentioned back in the beginning when, you know, pre Roberta's house, when you were doing this outreach and there wasn't anything like that here in Baltimore city, did you face skepticism? Did people say, I don't know that I need this. I've never heard of this. I mean, what was those first steps like when you were trying to help people that are suffering such a huge loss?
1: Oh, believe me. Well, I think the greatest challenge was really with, I'm going to say the funders and our supporters, you know, when we were reaching out for funding, they really did not get it and understand how grief, trauma impacted violence in the community or was connected to the violence and ill health in our community. Mm-hmm. It really didn't connect at all until I'm going to say probably around 2014 when the violence, the homicide rates just began to increase enormously. And the Freddie Gray and all of the incidences that started occurring and we saw the increase of substance abuse. And I was also recognized by CNN as a top 10 CNN hero in 2014. So that brought a lot of national and international recognition to the work that we were doing. As far as the community, no, I would say the community got it. They realized how much, because they were the ones suffering. Mm -hmm. They were the ones suffering with grief and unresolved grief and complicated grief. Over, you know, loved ones that had died and multiple deaths. Many, many individuals, unfortunately, living in, in, in the city and urban communities and poor housing and, you know, living day to day, trying just to survive. They deal with the stress of loss continuously. Mm-hmm. And many of these families experience multiple losses, mm-hmm. you know, one death after another. And there was just no relief. So I would say, no, the people who were coming to Roberta's house for support, they got it. They understood. They recognized how painful and the suffering that they were experiencing over their losses. You know, substance abuse is also a way that many people were coping with their pain and trying to numb their pain. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were getting... Individuals referred from recovery centers and, you know, the churches were also dealing with a lot of funerals and people dying in their congregations and they didn't know how to support and help. So, you know, they were sending individuals and referrals to Roberta's house and it was no problem helping people understand that this was a needed service, who lived in the community and experienced the day-to-day losses. It was more of the, the other sectors of our communities, you know, that weren't experiencing multiple losses, that couldn't identify with this need. So it took a while for me to,
2: to really educate. One Book Baltimore is back. The program promotes literacy in 7th and 8th graders, their families, and our community by coming together to read the same book. The 2021 selection is Becoming Beatrice by Tammy Charles. Pick up your copy at the Pratt Library today. More details at prattlibrary.org.
0: At one point, you started the Homicide Survivor Advocacy Program. What is that and why was that so important? Because that experience is very different than other people who are experiencing a different situation with grief. Right. So, you know, it's not
1: unknown that the largest population that's dealing with homicides is the African-American community. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: When you look at the Baltimore City homicide statistics, 80% 80% of those homicides are African-American males.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we recognize that the families that were coming to Roberta's house were dealing with homicide, many of them. And this is a grief that involves a lot of trauma and long-term complicated grief. Mm-hmm. And they, we recognize that they really need needed additional and special support. Mm -hmm. So it just so happened in, um, I think it was around 2000, maybe 12, Mm -hmm. that we were approached by the mayor's office to create a homicide survivor advocacy program where we could provide individual one-on-one support. And we were excited to do this and it has grown also over the years and it continues to grow the need and the demand becomes greater today as well.
0: Mm-hmm. You've touched upon this a little, but you know there are so many people that feel alone in their grief and they think that they can handle it by themselves. But how does sort of grief? untreated manifest itself in the rest of your life if you don't sort of deal with it head on? Yes. Well, many people suffer with a lot of guilt,
1: mm-hmm. shame, and unfortunately it becomes sometimes a self-punishing behavior. Mm-hmm. And this type of grief that if it's not addressed or dealt with can lead to high blood pressure. It can actually, um, because of what we call the stress response of grief with all of the emotional swings as well as fears and isolation. It can lead to high blood pressure, stroke. It can lead to migraine headaches. It can lead to the immune system failing because of you know it's burnt out after a long stress time frame that the person has been through that leads eventually to disease. So in other words, dis-ease can lead to disease. Mm-hmm. So that's why we see so many people struggling with poor health Because of the stress of grief and loss that has not been addressed and people, you know, emotional pain oftentimes can lead to also bad behaviors, habits Mm -hmm. that can eventually lead to violence Mm -hmm. in the community. You know, children can experience, because of unresolved grief or the loss of a parent or sibling or, you know... People often experience the inability to be able to think or concentrate and focus, and it can lead to academic failure, you know, and if the schools and teachers don't understand what's going on with this child, you know, they can be even misdiagnosed with ADHD, you know, because the symptoms are so similar to a child that's experienced grief. You know, where they're hyperactive or hypervigilant and they can't sit still and they can't focus. And this could be a misdiagnosis for a child. And the real underlying issue is never addressed. Mm-hmm. And they grow up eventually, you know, with unresolved issues that can lead to
0: personality and
1: psychiatric problems. Mm-hmm.
0: We talked about, how it manifests itself in the individual. But when you have such a huge amount of untreated grief in a community, how does that change? I mean, we look at Baltimore City and the health statistics are, you know, pretty frightening. There are other things like how does it impact a whole community when you have so many individuals that are really dealing with this pain?
1: Yes, it begins to have its rippling effect. Mm -hmm. I would say even the health you know, our health institutions are impacted with treating or not being able to treat appropriately individuals in the emergency rooms. It impacts, again, the violence that occurs in our community, the substance abuse that is on the rise, infant mortality. You know, where young mothers and mothers who are trying to you know, have a healthy baby are impacted because of their own personal grief and they're not able to carry a healthy maternity. It impacts the, the health as far as nutrition. Uh, in our communities, you know, eating poorly, mm-hmm. uh, smoking habits, you know, and just the entire health care. It has an overall greater community impact. And you see people, you know, they're individuals who struggle so much in their grief and loss that they can't return to work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right now we are looking at legislation to even consider the length of time that employers allow individuals bereavement time. Because right now it's three days. Mm. You know, imagine a mother who loses a child or a, you know, wife that loses a husband and they can't seem to adapt or adjust and they just can't seem to focus and get themselves together Mm -hmm. in three days to return (laughs) to a demanding work job, you know, Mm -hmm. responsibility. And, you know, there are people who are being fired trying to take FMLA's. Because mm-hmm. they're not ready. They're not able, especially, you know, if it's been a homicide or traumatic death. Mm-hmm. And so here we're finding people unemployed. Some people even during this whole pandemic have lost three and four family members mm-hmm. within a year, a year's time. <sighs> you know, are, are really just struggling mentally and emotionally trying to figure out where they go from here. And um, people are being impacted, the community is being impacted in all ways, in mm. many different you know, ways.
0: If there's someone out there who's listening to this, who is struggling with grief, what can they expect when they walk into Roberta's house? Well, they can
1: first expect to be greeted with um, compassion, understanding and a non-judgmental environment. Our staff is ready to serve and meet people where they are. We have a new center that we just finished the construction of in January, and it is a magnificent facility that is inviting, it's warm, it's receiving it's colorful, it feels like you're in your living room or your family room, and in no way does it feel like an institution or a clinic. And they can expect to be aligned with the appropriate services Like I said, we have over 15 different programs, so we have families healing together. We have a Rays of Hope program for families who have experienced the homicide, who have children. We have a team program that uh, leads into a peer ambassador program. We have Camp Aaron, which is coming up in August, where we take 50 to 100 kids away for an adventure camp that addresses their grief, but it also includes fun and adventure and young people meeting friends who also have experienced the loss. We have Homicide Transformation Program for adults. We have a male support group for men who've experienced loss and a death of someone close. So there's just a wide variety of programs that individuals and, you know, they can participate in more than one program. And Mm -hmm. all of our peer support groups are free. And we do provide also individual clinical therapy if someone needs that. Mm -hmm. So this is what they can expect. And they can also expect ongoing support, Mm -hmm. meaning that even though our peer support groups may be 10 week long, support programs we have monthly drop-in support groups also Mm -hmm. where individuals can find ongoing support you know that they might need
2: the free to be more podcast is a production of the enoch Pratt free library did you know anyone in maryland can get a pratt library card you don't even have to stop in just sign up for an e-card at prattlibrary.org Start downloading free books, audiobooks, movies, music, and more today. Visit prattlibrary.org. Are there, I mean, in the years that you've been
0: doing this, it must be so fulfilling to see the transformation that people are able to make. Are there, is there a success story or two that you'd be able to share with us where you really see the impact of the work you've done?
1: Yes, we have lots of stories that we can share. Mm-hmm. Um, one particular is a young man that came to, um, our PR, I'm sorry, our change in the game, which is our adolescent program. Mm-hmm. And both of his parents had died. Um, he was acting out in school. He was failing. He was very quiet. He had isolated himself and his foster parent brought him to Roberta's house and he remained with us for about two years. Mm-hmm. This young man graduated from high school with honors. He also is now in college. He has his license. He's driving. Mm-hmm. And he is also working for Under Armour. Mm-hmm. So he is also now a peer ambassador. And he comes back and speaks to the younger kids who are now entering into the program we also have a, a story where a young lady who was really struggling where her mother was uh, murdered she struggled emotionally and with her self-esteem she eventually had to be hospitalized and we actually encouraged her to seek that hospitalization to get the help that she needed and she has grown since this program and being a part of Roberta's house she's now a licensed social worker herself and has a job and she also follows us she's become a volunteer of Roberta's house so these are just some of the stories that you know we we've had couples to marry where they came in with, as a widow or widower, <laughs> and they found um, re, uh, you know wonderful relationships with other people and Mary, and then they also came back to become volunteers of Roberta's House. Oh,
0: that's what it was so heartwarming. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. And many, in fact, I would say that forty to fifty percent of our volunteers have been through our programs because of their own loss experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's the continuation of their healing. Um, It's their desire to reinvest and give back. So that is the beauty of the work that we do, that people find that, you know, in their own healing, that they want to reinvest and help someone else who's suffering the loss of someone.
0: That is so incredibly powerful. Um, I do want to touch on, you know, the city has just enacted the Elijah Cummings Healing Act. um, Talks about providing trauma training and kind of changing the view of people towards trauma. Is that something, that legislation, something that gives you hope for Baltimore? Absolutely. You know,
1: uh, Congressman Cummings was our honorary chair for Roberta's House, actually he recognized firsthand the need that we needed to create a more sensitive service throughout all of the systems that served people you know we have a tendency to say or to ask individuals what is wrong with you instead of what has happened to you um, over your lifetime that has led you to where you are today and we tried to also help people to understand that what they might be experiencing or their behaviors or their weaknesses or their struggles is not a fault of theirs. Mm -hmm. That it is something that is a way that they have learned to adapt. Although it may not be the healthiest way of adjusting and adapting, it is their best way that they have been able to adapt and adjust to a situation that is abnormal. Mm -hmm. So they are not abnormal. What they have experienced is abnormal. Mm -hmm. And if we can look at that more as we serve individuals, I think that we can be more compassionate. We can be more of service and understanding and help people to get where they need to be and not be so judgmental upon you know, the individuals that need our help the most.
0: You guys have a phrase that you use that's on your website. It feels like a guiding principle um, for you that it's, I care for you, you care for me, we care for each other. Why is it so important for people to not just hear that but understand and feel that? Yes, yes, I'm glad you brought that out. Mm-hmm. Um, that is
1: one of our pledges that is carried throughout every program that we conduct everything that we do even our workshops and trainings that we do on you know for professional development the reality is that you know in life we're going to all go through challenges trials and adversities mm-hmm. and we cannot go through these things alone it is impossible to go through these experiences in life alone. We need the help and the support of others. In fact, how well a child gets through a crisis or loss depends upon how well the adult gets through that crisis or adult that they're living with. Mm -hmm. And because we're modeling for that child, how we deal with life's adversities. So even as adults, an adult needs the support of others we need the listening ear of another person to help us even process what we are experiencing and to make meaning out of those experiences that we can find positive outcomes Mm -hmm. so you know caring for one another is probably the most the first and most essential need that we as human beings have Mm -hmm. and that's a reminder that we care for each other as we go through these life experiences and we need one another mm-hmm.
0: if someone out there is listening they want to either volunteer or they need the services of roberta's house what is the best way for them to get in contact or learn more about your organization great so they can visit our website at robertashouse.org
1: where they can see all the various programs that we offer. And there are also applications for various volunteer opportunities. Um, You can also call us at 410-235-6633. We're located on 928 East North Avenue. And we're also located in Hyattsville, uh, Prince George's County on Bright Seat. Please feel free to reach out and,
0: call, or you might have someone you need to refer. That's wonderful. My last question for you, I mean, this is difficult work. It's work that some people run away from because it is so difficult, and you've been doing it for decades now. The house is named after your mom. What do you think she would say looking down on you right now and seeing what you've built and the impact you're making in your community? Oh, wow. That's a
1: You know, I think um, she would be very proud. She would be very proud that the spirit that she was blessed with continues to live on. The spirit of compassion, the spirit of love for your neighbor, which, you know, she was a devout Catholic and very, very much her life represented her faith.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and I think that, you know, she would be proud to know that her children have carried on the legacy of her spirit. Mm-hmm. I feel her smiling upon me all the time. And I think that she transferred that spirit to us. So I'm grateful, too, because I feel that this is my assignment in life as well. And I'm grateful that I have been allowed to fulfill what I've been called to do. So, yeah.
0: Annette, March career, thank you for the impact that you're making in Baltimore City. And thank you so much for your time today.
1: Oh, thank you for this opportunity to share. And I care for you, you care for me, and we care for each other.
2: Explore under the sea with Read to Reef Book Club. Baltimore City kids fifth grade and under can stop by any Pratt Library location and pick up their Read to Reef bookmark. Read five aquatic-themed books and earn free tickets to the National Aquarium. Program available while supplies last in both October and March. Check out PrattLibrary.org for more details.
0: I'm Megan McCorkle, and you've been listening to the Free to Be More podcast by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. You can follow the Pratt on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next month for another Free to Be More conversation. Thanks for listening.